Never let your sense of morals prevent you from doing what is right. It is the chief characteristic of the religion of science that it works. Scientific truth is beyond loyalty and disloyalty. I wanted to be a psychological engineer, but we lacked the facilities so I did the next best thing, I went into politics. It's time for the rules of acquisition. Hello everybody and welcome to the rules of acquisition podcast where we will be going through and are going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the foundational show of <laughs> of of science fiction in the 90s and the future and maybe not but you'll get that reference <laughs> anyways my name is wade bowen and with me as always is james nolan hey wade hey james i just want to see you one more time did <laughs> <laughs> i even watch that fuck that okay never mind it's i want to take one more look at you hey what I just want to take another look at you. And also, Hugh Crawford. Hello. Hello. We're talking about an episode called Statistical Probabilities. Yep. This is episode nine of season six. It originally aired November 24th, 1997. And here is the IMDb description. A group of genetically engineered humans are brought to Dr. Bashir on DS9 in hopes of integrating them with the rest of... Of the universe. <laughs> well, here we are. We're Bashir is a mutant, and this is what I had to say about this a couple weeks ago on the Discord when one of our patrons made a comment and added me. He says, I can't wait to find out what Hugh thinks about this episode or Wade, or like I can hear the hate right now or something like that. Something snide and completely off. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I love one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Here's the thing, and... though. They what I said on the Discord is that at least this is what I give the creators props for. At least they they made a choice, and at least they stuck with it. You know, they're following. <laughs> they're no, they they're following through, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. genetically engineered. Uh, it's a world in which people who are genetically engineered aren't allowed to function in society, and now we're we're following that up. So. Here we are with statistical probabilities. I agree, and I, I, I. Uh, oh my god! I, I. The first time I watched this, I, I super hated the first twenty minutes of this, and then as it as it went on, I found myself kind of like loving this episode. I yeah, like this is I like the worst this. part. The worst part of this episode is the the first twenty minutes or so. Yes, yes, and oh, yeah. but also if you if you have that uncomfortable scene. Uh, at the beginning, or I don't know, we can go through it. I mean, scene mm-hmm. by scene, if you want. Sure. But there's a specific scene that, is in light of all that has been going on in America over the last six months with child separation and and mm-hmm. who, who's at fault? Like the the children are not at fault for what their parents decide to oh, do. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that whole conversation the scene where Worf almost says, "You people." Yes. <laughs> what do you mean, you people? Were, well, the uh, scene where he says you people, but like Cisco's like, yeah, but their parents, yeah, it, it is unfair, but their parents did do something illegal. If you, <laughs> right. and, 
if you look at it through the lens of that, it's kind of a creepy... It's seeing all your space friends that you've loved for years all of a sudden tor- turn horribly racist uh, <laughs> against Im- illegal immigrants. It's, uh, it's a little unnerving. I just want to start off this episode with, do we all notice who directed this episode? I did notice who... I, I did not. Anson Williams. Potsy. <laughs> what? Oh. Yeah, he has a he has a he like had like a directing career. He did a, this in Only a Paper Moon. He directed four Voyager episodes, and then oh, he directed a ton of shit. Melrose Place, Beverly Hills. I mean, he's like a yeah. g- good for yeah. Potsy. And then I spent a good chunk of the first twenty minutes before it got really horrible, remembering that Hugh met either Potsy or Ralph Mouth, and I can't remember who. It was Ralph Mouth. You have a Ralph Mouth story, okay? <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, at uh, a Nashville Film Festival in like 2000 and maybe 2000, oh, 2001, yeah. yeah. And James Cromwell. I was not married to Allison, so it was 2000. It was 2000, yeah. And James mm-hmm. Cromwell was there too. Got to meet him. What? I didn't... Yeah, he was there in full Native American like chest what? plates. James Cromwell was there. I don't remember that. I remember you telling me that you had a beer with Ralph Mouth, which was like the coolest thing. He was there. I didn't, uh-huh. you know, this is some festival, huh? And you like, yeah. <laughs> that was like <laughs> the extent of it. Right. But yeah, it was surreal because you grow up, somebody that you see on TV every day afternoon growing up, it's weird. Mm-hmm. But to him, it's that was just like a like a nine to five job that he had for a few, few years. Sure. Yeah, if you say his name to me, I don't know if I visually can differentiate Ralph Mouth from Danny Bonaducci. <laughs> oh. In my mind, I know that they're different people. And sure. I know that Danny Bonaducci's the the Patrick's family nut job and that Ralph Mouth is a staid right. you know, like he just did his little bit part and, right. and, and went on about his normal Let me put it this uh, way. If you had to like prove to Google you're not a robot and and it said like, I don't think that those pictures... Which one of these is Don most? Right. I don't think I would have got it right. Yeah, I'd be I in trouble. Think, yeah, yeah, I don't I think... I would not pass that Turing test. <laughs> I did tell you all that one time that I was at a film festival that Louise Fletcher was at, right? You did, Whoa, yes. Whoa, yeah. yeah. And, you know, she's not in this episode, but it is a little one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Uh, it is a shame that they didn't figure out a way to shoehorn her into this one mm-hmm. in particular. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> they don't so want we... nurse lore or whatever to be, like, evil <laughs> Like the Starfleet nurse that brings him in should have been, you know, if she was like, yeah, if you need any trouble, Dr. Bashir, here's just a cattle prod or something, you know. You guys have better. I'm trying to stretch my mind to the celebrity stories. I once went on a tour of a cathedral in Santa Fe with fuck. The guy from Criminal Minds. Are you serious? Joe Matoya. Is that his name? What the fuck is his name? He does the Italian like mobster guy on um, Simpsons, right? He does the... Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Joe Montaigne. Joe Montaigne. That's cool. I, yeah. I asked him, are you? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and we, we stayed together. We stood together for the rest of the cathedral tour, but yeah. <laughs> right. I live in New York. I see celebrities every day, man. No, That's sorry. what I'm saying. You're lamer because you actually live <laughs> yeah, in a right. cool place. <laughs> sorry. For, so for us in the hinterlands, uh, our, we have to take our celebrity sightings very, very rarely. We already talked about this. <laughs> this episode starts out horribly. We've we meet our patients. What are what are our subjects? Our patients. Our patients are whatever they are. They're 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 wards of the state because they're not. Well, they're not prisoners, which. I think sometimes people think that they're... But they're not... Yeah. They're, they are wards of the state. Well, they're not free to leave. They're wards of the state. It's not because... Yeah, they're wards of the state because they've got... They've got 
problems that they can't yeah. take care of themselves. The guy's name, there's Jack, who's the fast-talking blah, 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 and then Patrick. The worst. The absolute worst. Oh, my God. Patrick he's, or Jack? Or he both is of absolutely them. the worst actor. Patrick uh, or Jack? No, Jack. Jack is the worst. Yeah, but no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Patrick. However, is actually dressed in like my ideal outfit. Like if I could wear <laughs> what Patrick is wearing all the time, and maybe just like have like a black one, a, like a dark gray one, and like a light gray one, just like rotate through those three, I would be pretty happy. There is a company that keeps coming up on my Facebook feed that like makes uh, Asian pants for American men. Oh, yeah, because they're not sized right, because they're all small over there, right? And they'll look... No, I meant, like... Yeah, but I mean, like, very loose-legged. Oh, yeah. Very, like, uh, that that kind of stuff. And I was like, that all looks great. But I never buy well, them. Well, if, if it doesn't look great to you, then Facebook wouldn't be putting it up. I know. I keep <laughs> right. clicking on it, and I keep, like... And they'll always say, you know, it's like 20 pair for this pair of mid-calf, wide-leg linen. And I'm like, oh, that looks so good. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and I never order them. And question, is Jack named after, like, Jack Nicholson? Most definitely. Because uh, it's an homage. A lady friend from Head of the Class is their, is their facilitator or handler. And I was oh, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> trying to remember where she was from. She comes in and says something, and then Jack smacks her in the hand with an iPod, and mm-hmm. she starts bleeding. And I'm, is that because it was broken, or just he hit her so hard? No, it, no, no, no. He stomped on it I was trying first. to figure out, is that just to prove how strong he is because he's augmented? But no, because he, he stepped and broke it. Okay. He stomped on it first and then picked it up after she's like give it to me we need to talk about the file sizes on these ipods man because they have like <laughs> 20 of them to like to like do basic shit so there's these four uh misfit fuckers misfit toys that that come to the station so that bashir can help them because he he's like a success story yeah they're all augmented people humans too but for some reason they're also mentally unstable so they've been institutionalized and she's been and head of the class nurse is trying to make them better but she's not having any help so she thinks being with someone like them that's made it good can help out the plot definitely cribs from uh isaac asimov's foundation trilogy we'll get to that later but do we think that they're trying to do a one flew over the cuckoo's nest type situation because that's i mean they it seems to fit into that as well right there's the dancing it's all like it's not a one to one anything like the foundation stuff is there too but then we'll get into how it's, it has different conclusions that was and, notably intentional by the way oh i but I, yeah i i mean i recognized and i was like oh they they knew what they were doing there mm-hmm. but i think they also know that with the one flew over the cuckoo's nest except they don't have like there's not an evil nurse ratchet or the Jack, no, there's not really a Jack Nicholson character coming into it. Bashir, which just shows how boring Bashir, it is. But, but he's not as patient. He's just another doctor. You have the Jack, which is like the excitable one. Who who is that? That was the the guy who ultimately played the mean ghost and ghost <laughs> Patrick Swayze's ghost. Right. And then you have the Danny DeVito character in the the guy in the comfortable pants, Patrick. Yeah, And then you have the dangerous sexuality person, which is, mm-hmm. I don't know. And then you have Chief. And then you have, like, Billy Biff. You have, like, a, you know, you have, like, all of these sort of, like... Who's Chief in this? The little, the girl. The girl. The girl yeah. Serena. Serena. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you have, like, that... It does feel like paint my numbers, but you can't mm-hmm. put your name... It's like an amalgamation of yeah. other... Yeah. yeah, I think it's 
successful enough. Like it's homage done okay. It's not like I intensely hated. I, I yeah, I, yeah, I did too. I, I like the premise of this. I like the premise of this show. <laughs> she never got off the couch. She even at the end got beamed up. She got beamed up, and she was laying down when she got oh, yeah. beamed up. That means when she reappears, she's going to like be laying down on the transporter pad, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is pretty dumb. I mean, that was openly Potsy's idea. They even call that out on it in Memory Alpha. But I don't know why. So, <laughs> she's just used to being horizontal, man. I don't. I, know. I think right. that's what Potsy was thinking. So, and yeah. that's just not how you direct people. <laughs> interestingly, sure. like that's not. Yeah, that's not how seduction works. Like. That's how, like, the mob from What's Eating Gilbert Grape works. <laughs> and so, like, I don't really... Like, it made her seem more invalid than sexual. Right. She did get up to dance, and she yeah, she, she she does put her arms around Bashir and stuff. And it made her seem like she had a problem. I'm not going to defend all the directing choices here. And that's what yeah. I wondered, because they're all supposed to be, like... You know, these broken, like, I, that's what I almost wondered. Should they have been more mutant-y? Because, right. you know, it's all about these these augmentations went bad. And maybe hers fucked up her, maybe she's a... <laughs> she, she just, her balance is all fucked up. Maybe she's a spinal dude. They yeah. really screwed her with the, the, they, her inner ear. is all, Unless she's dancing with somebody, she can't stand up. The, the Jack character was the... Worst. He's all acrobatic because oh, your parents couldn't full the afford the full overhaul. He's and- on preacher. Can you explain that to me? He's a guy character named Mister Murphy. What? I didn't know that. I gotta go to my IMDb. Hold on. He's on th- at least three episodes. He's on three episodes of. Preacher. So and then they tried out like the backstory. They oh, we have to talk about the eugenics war, and I thought they did it well enough to as backstory even before the eugenics eugenics war they had to like still do the the work for the syndicated tv work yeah because yeah. they had mm-hmm. to have jack explain uh bashir's uh genetic situation and he's yeah, like yes yeah. and a year ago yes i got caught yes a year ago oh yes they kept <laughs> me on because oh yes and so that was kind of what are we? What did I call that? I call that syndication work or something yeah, yeah. like that. I, there's a word like there's a phrase I have for it where you have to like uh, front load a bunch of yes, sure, yeah, explanation yeah. At the, in the in the first five minutes of the episode because because it's going to be caught you know on four o'clock in the afternoon for the next fifty years. It, it definitely is doing that. I thought it did as well as you could expect. As once they get Bashir in there and they explain. You know, they don't just put people away. It's like, well, they don't, but they don't let you do anything worth doing. It's like, well, what, they're worried we're going to take over? It's like, well, yeah, because it happened one time that there's this whole thing called the eugenics war. Then it's like, oh, you're going to give us a we can contribute speech, but we can't join Starfleet or whatever. It's sort of weird about it because it's the most off-putting thing ever. But they're also sort of laying out an interesting plot. This secondary class of people and like, what do you do? How do you solve a problem like? genetic mutants and so they they're they're trying to do some interesting stuff with it so i'm not i was okay so i watched like all of these episodes all in like or i watched these three episodes in a row the resurrection this episode and the next episode and so i watched them in a row sort of the banging out a bunch of hydrats episodes and so the first one i was like uh, uh, oh my god this is worse than resurrection oh my god at least it's it's because it's actively annoying me mm-hmm. but then like and then like it took a while but i was like oh they're trying to put things in place and then uh, you know like 
they ended up doing something I actually was pretty engaged with by the end of it. It was all culminating into that scene with Worf and all of them talking about, does Cisco just now hold after-hours dinner parties? Just with the senior staff, Kira seated next to Odo, and I have a little bit of nerd corner at the point. Oh, okay. Where Bashir's explaining the situation with all the Cuckoo's Nest kids. Oh, they must have gotten, like, these back-alley augmentations that... You know, something went wrong mm-hmm. that had unintended side effects. And by the time they were five or six, their parents had to come forward and ask for help because they couldn't. They were like people who adopt puppies off of Craigslist and then, like, need to rehome them because they just don't have the time for them like they thought they did. Right. Yeah, these kids are mess. They can't, they, they can't take care of their special needs or whatever. <laughs> but didn't Bashir got, got his augmentation when he was— He did. That was his point, though, is that he had a good doctor— no, that, no, but he got it when he was like six, right? Right. Because he yes. couldn't tell. Right. They, they got it when they were younger than that, and by the time they were six is when their parents had to come forward. Right. Yeah. yeah. So they got it. Well, but I don't know. But but when they were younger, it could have been when they were five. Like I don't know. Like we could be like because he says could be comparing houses to apples here. Sure. Or whatever. Sure. Houses <laughs> to cats. Dogs here. to cats. I mean, right. maybe I don't know the difference. You know. Then they waited too long. He says to fix them. And then there's no treatment that doctors could do. Because he talked like, oh, just, of course they had it done when they were super younger than I was. But, you know. Doesn't yeah. the medicine seem a little like it has convenient gaps? Like, well, if the yeah. Plot, if the plot, I mean, we've seen it to where people have had half a brain blown off. Beverly crush all away like a little uh, a little cigarette lighter in front of their face. And then like, look, I go, it'll, it'll be a hard recovery, but he'll make it. Right. <laughs> you know, and then there's times where it's like the most basic of shit can't be overcome through medicine because of the dictates of stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, but that's always going to be the case i mean with science fiction to an extent right i do agree but i do think that if we're in nerd corner that's a little annoying they have the ability to blow away your atoms and then materialize your atoms and on a spaceship but with a fully reconstructed psyche so it seems like they understand something about mental well about the maybe mental, they... about the neurological pathways are you saying that this episode is bullshit james <laughs> Are you positing that? <laughs> I didn't put us in nerd corner over You're here. Saying, no, but let me get this right. You're saying the transporter should be able to fix depression? I am saying, I'm saying maybe. I'm saying that maybe. Wouldn't that be a kind of augmentation in itself that they're outlawed? I'm saying that the you're right, that the transporter is an invention too far for logic to fix, but it is something that we have to deal with. They do blow up your atoms. They explode you. And then shoot your atoms across space, and then reconstruct your atoms with a fully reconstructed psyche. You're not like a like you're not like an empty vessel. So they they understand enough to reconstruct the psyche of someone, so that it intimates that they have a knowledge of neurological systems greater than what we do or what they show I in this episode. Don't I don't agree because it shows that they have the ability to create an exact copy of what you were before when you go into the buffer, not that they that they had to think about how to rejigger it to bury you So then why don't the uh, genetical engineers... Genetical. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man, he kicked me right in the genetics. I'm I'm in my fourth beer here. So why can't they, um, the people who are... The people who do these genetic <laughs> modifications on people, yes, why can't they then, before they start, just like with any medical procedure, <laughs> they do some stuff, and why don't they take, why don't they take a, take a buffer image? 
they take a transporter image because then they can fuck up. And then, oh my God, we turned your baby into a Morlock. So we're going to start <laughs> over. We're going to We're going to reset him to factory setting. Like I said, they waited too long. So these problems happened over time. So they, they maybe they could reset him to factory settings, but they'd be like three years old. And after they've aged to six, better than being crazy. I don't know what to tell you. Like this is. It's because we're in nerd we're corner. In nerd I'm corner, just saying. But I'm just, we're in nerd corner. I'm gonna bring these. Aren't you're trying to say like James? You're trying to bring logic into the situation. I'm like, yeah. And maybe, maybe, maybe if your premise is right, which I don't agree with your premise, but if I did, that they should be able to rejigger their brains with teleporter trans technology to figure out what a stable, good brain is, and and just give them that. Would that not also be a sort of augmentation that there that is outlawed in Starfleet? Oh, you're arguing legalism, not <laughs> no. I'm arguing not medicine. Well, <laughs> I don't agree with your premise to begin with, but I just basically saying. we should fast forward to to the point where uh, uh, oh, Gull Gull Dick Nose is on there. Uh, what's his name? Gull Demar. Demar. Yeah, yeah. Demar is given his like State of the Union address right, or whatever, right. and they're all watching him on the telly. And they're all picking up these cues from him, which was so it's pretty thin soup, you know. Uh, it's very thin. Yes. Yeah, I think but... it's pretty sweet because I think, well, you know, maybe it's uh, just I see what I want to see, but like I could see that weakness in Demar when he's giving that speech. It looked like he was doing a good job. And oh, you were I... picking up that too. Well, I was just picking up that that guy was just thinking about all the shit he has to do to stay in the Star Trek blues band. He's like, <laughs> that, that's pretty much... I think that that scene highlights a personal <laughs> irritation with me, which is that people who get intelligence wrong yeah, and what having like this higher level of intelligence is. And I think that, that it's a maybe a Sherlock Holmes fallacy mm-hmm. where being yeah, intelligent yeah. the armchair the armchair detective makes stuff. you super observant and that's not really how higher intelligence works like at all and so I think that it's a little and it's easy to write because you're writing it you know because the writer is God and can control everything we want Damar to seem weak so we'll have the Danny DeVito character talk about how weak and unsure he is. But there's no real actionable intelligence or even sort of human understanding. Like, if they understood people that well, then they, yeah. they wouldn't seem so crazy. Like, autism is, by and large, autism is, or at least the Asperger's part of autism, is that they can't understand human Yeah, they're not going to pick up those signals and stuff, yeah. I mean, if you just listen to a Talking's Head album, it's all... It's basically... <laughs> I'm going to take the bait on that. That's not how, like, intelligence works. Right. And so that scene bothered me. Well, maybe augmented intelligence does, because right. they could pay for these perception augments, too. But I'm saying that... Would you say that Jack and uh, the Danny DeVito character... What is his name? Patrick. But would you say that they have a excess of, of like... Understand, like they understand social cues. Right, right, right. That was the whole point: is that they were they were picking up like micro expressions and stuff. Yeah, that, yeah. like like little tells. Yeah, the people who can do that are sociopaths who can manipulate anyone. Well, Jack's a bit of a sociopath, but no, 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 no. Yeah, he is. He's like gonna snap. No, Bill Clinton's a sociopath. I'm sorry. Well, there's there's <laughs> varieties. Not everybody's on what, but Jack's a sociopath. He's like then then maybe then let's strike sociopath because that's definitely not what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah. It's people who can pick up 
really good at picking up social cues have that fake fake ass like neurological or uh, yeah. psychological uh, symptom called a uh, hypomania that like Alexander Hamilton and Bill Clinton have been accused of being stricken with this idea of like i can understand enough about how humans work to mimic that them. i can manipulate that and make them yeah. calm and cool and trust me and you know fuck me or whatever as definitely what not what jack has. no jack does not understand how he's coming off yeah i mean this and this would not be how it works mm-hmm. but you know they're like i'm just reading it i'm just buying it as they're good at noticing things but they're they're not good at at repressing their own shit so they're not they're keep saying the wrong thing is a thing that uh they say what they think they can't help it that kind of thing comes out even if they do notice these social cues because they are observant that's like a thing that is the episode keys in on that they notice little things that other people don't whether that is Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not something that just all smart people do, but I it's like, okay, in this space future augment mutant thing, I guess I'm I'm okay going with okay, that's fine, that's what's going on here. But you're right, it's not that's not how intelligence actually works in the real world. I but, do yeah. like that they're advancing they're trying to advance the Dominion storyline, yeah, which yeah. is something the last week's episode didn't do. No, it did not. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, kudos for that. I just, I had this, right. that added to my irritations to this episode. Right. And, I mean, there's also a thing, you know, super intelligent people don't hear sounds that, other, <laughs> that dogs hear, but augmented humans well, do. Well, they have, they have, they have fucked up, like, uh, yeah, well, they have all, physical elements to their right, right. They're all too. fucked up. Yeah, so one lady lays down. One guy went. You know, it just right. looks like Danny DeVito. It's all <laughs> fucked up. Right. So <laughs> I could buy that they had perception augments put in too, as well as intelligence, as well as hearing. Jack can jump and do flips. We give, we give them a lot of rope here. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a space show where people are wearing their pajamas and mm-hmm. laying on couches. It's not like we're <laughs> right. Can we talk about why the one girl just. Like, she didn't seem smarter. She didn't seem otherworldly smart. She just seemed horny. Yes, that was... And is horny we, like a mental disorder? Yeah, she, she got like, nymphomania, too. Well, like, I think that this is a poorly... This is this is a horrible representation of, of the two women that we have. Because you either have... Yeah, you, have the, yeah, yeah. you have, like, the Mary Saint figure who doesn't talk, or you have, like, the slut, uh, you know, figure... So they're who tries to who who goes out of her way to help the 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 dominion. Right. So it's not. This is this is a uh, not exactly the best uh, you know right. women's study episode. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, no, uh, mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something we should acknowledge that the, both of these characters are horribly rendered stereotypes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. And then they talk about you know he's the usurper and all that this fairy tale kind of uh, ways they frame it. Thin and, soup. Yeah. Because they don't even say, like, they're not even pick it up. They don't even say why they think that. They just say it. Well, that's what that was yeah, my problem and, with it. Yeah. Is yeah. it like, well, he's yeah, sad. So. Like, well, he's not just sad. They can tell he's got guilt over something and then they put it together. Yeah, but they don't even say, like, the way his shoulders, he's carrying his shoulders or he's wincing. Like, they don't even cite sure, any sort sure, of sure. physical thing. They just say, oh, and he's sad. Oh, and he's a pretender. Oh, and, and then they jump to conclusions. And every time they jump to a conclusion, O'Brien and Bashir look at each other and, like, how would they possibly know that? How could they know that? And so sure. they're like the audience surrogate. Right. You know, where we're they're just like, seeing oh. things that we can't see either because we're just n- not as augmented. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that irritated me. But the other thing that irritated me was that they that when Bashir, because they do the cut to, and Bashir's having to explain it to Cisco, and he's like, and they don't know anything. No, they've never heard of of Damar before. And I, I mean, highly intelligent people follow the news, and that would surely be like in the news, right? They've been they, in the institute. And maybe they haven't had, they've been interested in... What they get their hold on, what they get, you know, what they know of the outside world is just, is pretty, we don't know. We can only infer infer a little bit. They They were able to read certain records. In their Montessori schooling, they can decide what they want to look into, and they never looked into the news. They cracked the encryption code for the Federation so that they could use the page system. I bet they know who Damar and... And way well, it's because it's, it's of interest to them. Maybe they weren't paying attention to that until then. Yeah, they seem to just do whatever they want, right? I mean, yeah, I guess. I, I guess. I, I, I would. You just got to go with the story at some point instead of nipping. I did. I'm, this is a hero story. I turn around on this episode, yeah, right? When right. it starts, when it starts being about Bashir is a dumb fuck. <laughs> Here's the thing about Bashir: they accidentally stumbled upon something interesting, and. I feel like this is what he should have been from the beginning. They should have done this mm-hmm. six years ago. I agree. Here, mm-hmm. They should have done it in the first season, where what we have is we have, because this is our third iteration of the show, every show's got to have a special man. Fine, let, let Bashir be the special man, but the reluctant one, because it comes at like a high price. His parents are in jail, and he's ostracized by his colleagues. That's interesting. I mean, I think the I think the writers would agree with you. They wish they'd come up. They've been struggling to find a thing to hang Bashir on for it two seasons. The, it might be the opposite. Iris Stephen Bayer commissioned this. Says that he commissioned this episode because he felt like he got pushed into letting him be augmented, and it never sit well with him. And so he made the writers who pushed him into doing it fix it for him personally. Well, I mean. Good. Whoa. They'd make him more comfortable with it. That's yeah. But, uh, that, like I said, that it, like I understand what Iris Stephen Bear's saying is like we did something. Yeah. We have to have some sort of follow through. Like I guess the Demar speech. He's like, look, we want peace, and so they're sending an envoy of Wayun and Demar to Deep Space Nine to do some trade negotiating. Mm-hmm. And because the Institute kids have impressed Cisco. Well, they're also recording everything in the hollow program, and then so they're gonna let them look at it and see what they can tell because they're so insightful and perceptive of all these micro expressions and the things that nobody else notices. Wayne shows up, and then Kira's like, "Don't pull that. We're all friends here, bullshit." Like Cisco ain't gonna play games with those games with you, even though I, you know, was an officer for you and you were on the station controlling it. They're watching the the recording of the negotiations. And then we get a little bit of, of, I guess, nerd corner again, though now it's just an observation. We get to hear Wayun speak Dominion. Yeah, this scene I really liked because I think that this actually got intelligence right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were actually doing, uh, they did, they were doing their hyper-intelligence right. stuff they, the right way because they were, they were going through the issues of language and things that are... They were citing specifics? Yes. Yeah, right. yeah, that act, things that actually can be acquired quickly that hyper intelligent people can do quicker than other people and learn things and um making them speak in their original language yeah. like making the play playback go in their experience like all of that was super interesting because it was noticing word play 
and things that I liked. I felt like that was getting intelligence, mm-hmm. hyper intelligence, right where the other scene was getting it really and wrong. Because so. he's like, Patrick, they want the Cabral system because they kept avoiding it with their eyes and they go over what's valuable on Holva 4 as mezzanite deposits, but we don't know. And then Serena, the mute one, gives a pad to Bashir and says, what, what? And then he's like, guys, can you make anything of this? And they f- figure out that they want the uh, Cabral system because there's a planet on there with these tri-nucleic funguses that they can make uridium by canthazine, which is an active ingredient in Ketracil White. And if they can make enough Ketracil White, they can keep the Jem'Hadar going forever. And and Cisco is like, oh man, I didn't catch that. Thank God you did that. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, talking about intelligence and Bashir's like, yeah, well, you still have to give them the Cabral system. Okay, so this what? is where the, the foundation-y stuff starts coming in. Right. It starts to, yeah. Well, yeah, at first he's like, you have to give it back to them because if we don't give it to them, they're just going to come take it by force and there'll be two million dead or something. And then so he's like, Word. you got to stall. And then, yeah. yeah, then we get into the statistics. So you start treating people like a like a Nate Silver podcast. You start <laughs> right. treating people as these magic, oh, as these large group shifts. Like, okay, so let me get this right. I haven't read Foundation. The Foundation trilogy posits that you can... It was written in, what, the 40s or 50s? It was like 1948, yeah. yeah. Posits that you can predict... What's the name of the main it's scientist? It's psychohistory. Psychohistory. Harry Seldon. Harry Seldon. Mm-hmm. Harry Seldon, yeah. Creates psychohistory, and he can accurately predict the future indefinitely, like going way forward. It, there's no, there's nothing about not taking into account human interaction. Psychohistory takes all of that into consideration, and he accurately does predict the future, and he makes a plan to preserve all of human knowledge in this foundation, the foundation, and they are off on a no other little planet. And then so he predicts and implants himself into the future in a way guiding history to come out of this dark ages if he can preserve enough human knowledge and get the foundation going that at the end of these dark ages, humanity can blossom forth again kind of thing. Which is part of what Bashir starts to argue in this episode. So you're not completely wrong. From what I read here on Memory Alpha, it says, In the novels, a character called The Mule, who has psychic abilities, becomes intimately involved in the events and directly influences their outcome, something which Sheldon's psychohistory could never have predicted. This is exactly what happens in this episode. Well, that's like... Earth, a foundation that's foundation and earth that's like book he wrote that in like 1983 yeah that's <laughs> like pretty 45 okay. years after the first five books were written okay well this but this is this is here's what the, they're doing here's with my this point story. Of the, okay. with the foundation okay you're you're citing this bullshit <laughs> basically isaac asimov doesn't make any sort of value judgment on statistical math or whatever it's just a story it's just a plot mechanism for him to tell his story which is a story about like what happens in decline and what happens when power structures shift mm-hmm. the point at the foundation books isn't fucking bullshit statistical math and whether or not it's it's accurate or not just like a book about like you know like i said earlier ghost ghostbusters is actually about nothing so that's a port that's a poor example but like <laughs> nobody's watching ghostbusters and is like well this this is bullshit because ghosts aren't real you know like there's not mm. you shouldn't go into reading the, the foundation trilogy being like well it's there's no way for anybody to statistically uh 
you know, do this. So because that the statistics is not the point of. I did get a little bit of reading it the book that he does kind of work from a premise like that in 1948. And and sci-fi at the time, which was pretty prevalent, even in Star Trek in the '60s, that intelligence and logic are could be enough if we focus on that is enough to save us. Sure, but it's not. But that that's not the point of the. That's the point of his 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 heroes are like humanists that right, believe right. in like you know betterment through like knowledge. Right. Not yeah. But in in the books are about power shifts and you know. It, that's not about yeah yeah that's just a for me that's that's an overall kind of theme in sci-fi of the time that kind of changes but this episode is making a value judgment on the sort of idea that you can decide people's fate through through right. statistics mm-hmm. and the foundation book you know the foundation trilogy is really not a, really not about that but iris stephen bear does cite the bullshit that I was spewing about the mule <laughs> and says that that's the the character of uh, what's her name Selena or whatever the quiet girl Serena that she is that's what they patterned her after so it's this idea that individual that you can't sort of account for individual actions in these large scale mathematical equations which is used as the fuck up that Bashir doesn't right, realize which, in this episode yeah that's kind of the thing at the if, sorry if I can get a little bit nerd corner again <laughs> about like, and that's the that's the conclusion that Bashir comes to is like oh oh my god you can't account for these minor things but when he's explaining the theory to Cisco he's like based on our statistical analysis which is total bullshit it made me so mad when he was explaining it because it was stupid but it's like mm-hmm. the further into the future the more accurate the prediction gets. Because of these nonlinear dynamics, and maybe I just don't get the math, but it's like that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense, you know. But I can nerd corner that away and just go with what he's saying. But what he's saying is that the small little things, the small details, factor out in enough time scale. Whereby small fluctuations tend to factor out over time. And then at the end of the episode, he's saying the small factors don't factor out the human. Thing. Yeah, they build up. On so themselves. it's like it contradicts. Yeah. So uh, that's my nerd corner kind of gripe about. Why didn't you anticipate that? Why didn't you factor her into your equation? I will willingly admit that uh, I started reading the foundation and then I sort of just bailed on it. And it was a rejection of the premise, which is the idea that mathematical equations can. Right. And I get that it's a premise that you you move on from that once the story begins, but it you you it's the buy in that you just have to sort of buy in at the beginning, right? But like we're buying in that you actually can genetically augment people's intelligence in right. this episode. That's the buy in for this. <laughs> right. Was a sort of a, this guttural reversion that I have in this episode too, which is why I'm bringing it up about this idea that math that any group systems can be understood really at that equ- equational right. level. I'm definitely not the first person that would mock a Nate Silver-like person for not being able to understand the rise of a Donald Trump. Because largely, the reasons that he rose to power were based on very humanist and not sort of model of mass thinking groups. You can build that together after the fact. You can go, why did Donald Trump win the Republican nomination? But he he notoriously, even after the polls were showing that Donald Trump was going to win, Nate Silver was notoriously showing, but the model, but the model says that he won't. 
almost to the point where, I mean, he did look quite foolish for a good long time. And, and I think that that's one of the things that you, the limits of a mathematical equation is that it doesn't, it can't, there's, you can't mathematically equate irrationality. Right. Sure. And and so that's what the whole point. So that was. But what if you could? Well, I mean, well, then did you just not doing stories about humans? Right. So I don't well, know. I, I don't know what the fuck that looks like, but it does look like Deep Space right. Nine. Um, and so that was sort of my reaction to that. And then when when it became clear that Cisco that the show, I was like, oh no, oh no, where is the show going? Right. And then and then once that. Realize that Cisco was like, "What the fuck are you talking right. about?" Mm-hmm. That's one of that's a, like a top ten Cisco. That's some that's some like prime Cisco stuff right there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, "I will pass it along," and he goes, "But how?" And he goes, I, "He goes, but you're just gonna pass it along in a way that they'll like uh, they'll wave it away." And he goes, "I hope they oh, do." Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Without adding your voice to it, they'll dismiss it out of hand. I'm counting on it. <laughs> yeah, they, no, they, it, because you're crazy. Yeah, they have the one success, so they have the blue Danube dance sequence yeah because that was based on actual understanding that but once they were going well 90,000 people are good billion people are gonna you know 90,000 whatever and it was like it doesn't fucking matter yeah they come back and he's like why doesn't it matter and he was and and it's my theory um any political battle that's ever going to be fought is going to be fought by never stopping fighting surrender is not an option like you always knock another tooth out even if someone goes hey you're not going to win this fight. Like, if you look at all of the, if you take a minute and look at all of the situations, these are all bad situations. And it's like, it doesn't fucking matter. I'm going to keep knocking right. teeth. That's how on. you have to exist. Yeah, yeah. That's how you win. And that's what Cisco is saying. It doesn't matter. I have to, like, keep fucking fighting these right, people. Right. Yeah. And he was like, it doesn't make any sense. And he goes, maybe. Fuck you! Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if if I accept that, then it's then it's a fait accompli. Right. So like, yeah. yeah. So well, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's also the the limit of Star Trek. You know, the ideals of Star, like Spock is the logician over you know, and that's what's going to save. And Picard is like a Spock type Vulcan mind, and in TNG, this kind of logic and everything and then by making him an augment and all about this logic and numbers they turn julian into a kind of spock here and then when he comes in with the projections that you know like he's a doctor he's trying to save lives and he's these projections say we can't win 900 billion casualties we have to surrender and and then yeah you're right and then cisco has a it's like fuck off with that shit we're not doing it you know and he gives the Harry Seldon speech where he's like, look... We're in for five generations of Dominion rule. Eventually a rebellion will form, centering on Earth. It'll spread. And within another generation, they'll succeed in conquering the Dominion. The Alpha Quadrant will unite and a new, stronger federation will rule for thousands of years. Which is pretty much straight foundation cribbing, as far as I can tell. Yeah. But, yeah. you know... You know, but then Cisco's response where I, you can give me advice on how to win it, but not how to lose it. Like, fuck off, you know, like, we're going to knock some teeth out. That's what I liked about it. It was like, when you were giving me shit, good shit, I'll take it. But when you start giving me this bullshit. Right, yeah. right. You fucking, you've got fucking sticking up your right. head. And then there's there's good, the, the O'Brien-Julian scenes, the hanging out in the bar scenes, I thought were really 
good. I did. Can we talk a minute about the scene that had to lead to the hanging out in the bar? Scene? Uh, sure. The the fixing the noise where Patrick cries and does his cowardly line and his 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 Abbott and Costello crying. <laughs> you know, yes, like. and that. Uh, uh, O'Brien clearly came up with like bullshit excuse to go check in on oh, his, yeah. on his on his girlfriend. <laughs> right, right. Um, oh, you miss him? No, don't. <laughs> yeah, you do. You want to uh, go play with me? I generally, uh, yeah, I generally don't like these overly sexualized uh, Bashir O'Brien commentaries, but that was, was pretty good. Yeah, they weren't making that one easy. Yeah. They were. <laughs> he misses his yeah, friend, right. and then O'Brien like sheepishly sort of. I do not. I didn't hate that scene. I wish that, uh, like, in every scene that involved that woman on that goddamn <laughs> bed, I wish she got up. Right. But And then they go into the bar, like, the banner between them, where he's like, oh, man, Patrick likes you because you're complicated. And, and just, like, the, the kind of shit talking they give to each other, like, you know, like, oh, you know. Is that the first time that Julian Bashir had an extended ironic conversation? That worked. Because... Yeah, no, no, of course it worked. Yeah, that's what, like, I... Probably. Uh, yeah, I was like, oh. Uh, the writing, the writing, that might be, because he was like, yeah, you're not, you're not, he goes, you must, you must find us uncomplicated. He goes, I just find you a little bit slow. Yeah, like, oh, it must be real frustrating for you, you know. Oh, I was like, don't mind, it makes me feel superior to you. He's like, oh, glad to be a If service. I was a writer, if I was Renee Echevarria writing that scene, did I, did I feel like that I maybe broke a little bit about the way to write Bashir? Because that seemed to work better than a lot of his conversational oh, yeah, yeah. natures. Yeah. Because I, I, I like that more than the try-hard Pua right, character right. that he's been for seven seasons. I like the, I like that, like, the, the smugly ironic character. That that gives a like a nature to their conversation. You know, when two characters can speak ironically to each other, it shows that they have a right. bond. And and then it yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. And then later, after he comes back from Cisco, with where he's like, "Oh, I bet you agree with Cisco, don't you?" O'Brien is like, "Well, yeah, fucking do." You know, I think he says we can knock out <laughs> yeah. some of their teeth while we're at it. <laughs> you know, yeah, I think he does say knock. It. Yeah, like always. Always yeah. punch, but as long as long as you can punch, punch. It's the only rule of should be the only rule well, of politics yeah. or war. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> you never know what a punch can do. Maybe sometimes always punch. Yeah, sometimes whatever. I'm not going to argue politics about it. It took me forty. It took me forty years to come to that conclusion. But <laughs> always punch. Yeah. Well. Uh, their their argument about arguing though mm-hmm. was like oh you don't get it like oh you know what <laughs> you think you're always right nobody with half a brain could possibly disagree with you I don't know sometimes it felt like arguing <laughs> sometimes that's me and sometimes that's you James <laughs> what what are we doing <laughs> like, here oh oh if- I can see two possible explanations for it either I'm even more feeble minded than you ever realized. Oh, you're not as so smart as you betting, you are. And he's playing Dabo, and he's a pain in the ass. And- yeah, that was weird. Can we talk about that? That was... That was Wolf. That was Wolf. He wanted to prove a point, that the math always wins, and the house always wins. And- Somebody needed to talk Renee Ashaveri out of that Why? scene. In that writer's room. Wait, when- it just wasn't that good. I-, I think it was trying to double down on a point. I thought it was fine. It looked weird, and then it made... Julian act weird, and they ended up having to re ADR it, and it made it weirder. Oh, I, um, yeah, I don't I know. It was, I, it was 
doubling down on the point of like him being a pessimist in math with winning and shit. It's like the And then yeah, later it, on what, he does it when he's in a better mood and he's like fuck it I'll go for it and he wins cuz sometimes you get lucky. Um, and then inevitably I guess the next scene is where it, the room the the think tank uh-huh goes too far. Right, right. Out of frustration with uh when their reason came up against rationalism, I guess, mm-hmm. like then they they sort of got n- well, they they think they have and, to do something drastic to save nine hundred billion lives. And yes, well, the people who all of a sudden like can't do shit for themselves all of a sudden take it upon themselves to save the galaxy. Right, right. you know, there's a little bit of probably hubris on their part too when people tell them they can't do something they wanted to tell them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that that seems right. I, I guess. Every time they got stuck on the 900 billion lives, it was just kind of like, like, I don't know. Like, the, I guess I guess that was moving. I don't know. <laughs> That's the kind of argument. Because it's like, it really is like, well, let them fight. You know, like, let them. Right. It's at what, co- you know, okay, 900 billion lives, but you got to let them keep their agency. You know, maybe that's an acceptable loss, you know? Yeah. For not, for not losing a war and losing your freedom. Right. Uh, yeah. But then so, at the other end, or, you know that there's going to be better. Maybe, you know, they've done the, tes- tes- the testicular analysis. I can't talk. <laughs> to, to, to know that after five generations, it'll, the Federation will be even stronger. So, you know. And losing this war, let's end up with a weaker federation, even if they win. And that's the thing. It's like, how can I be reasonably, even in the course of this arc, and I don't think it's a nerd corner thing. Like, I think, like, how am I supposed to accept that argument that you can figure out that much? Right, right. Well, after nine gener, after five generations, then this starts happening. I was like, come on. Like, even if you could accurately access the projected losses from a battle uh, with an open war against the Dominion in the next year. How can you assess it over the next 150 years? That's, that's be uh, that, that, that's beyond theory and math and advances in science. They've learned how to do it. It's just, yeah. I mean, you're right. It's It's beyond, it's beyond reasonable to make me accept. and, And that's the point of the episode is that this kind of intelligence makes you overly incompetent overly confident in intelligence right which makes you think that maybe you don't need a very good ground game in wisconsin and you forget right. the human element and you- and you forget the human element of wisconsin right, right. so uh yeah so that's the thing that like i reject and then and but i happily like the episode rejected it also, so <laughs> I didn't. I didn't feel so alone like I did another and episode. Because Serena secretly has a crush on Jack. Yeah. The the nympho calls her a coward because she wouldn't dance with him earlier. And that's one of those times where like Bashir superpower mm-hmm. overcome their superpowers is because he realized that. Oh, yeah. Because he's not as autistic as the other. And I don't use that word ne- negatively. I'm I mean, using like he's, it as he's like, not on the spectrum. He understands social cues and ha- human. Yeah, he understands beca- either because of his because whoever his doctor was nailed his genetic augmentation, right. or because he was so socialized at an early age. I think that was the point. Is that he he yeah. says that you know my my the guy my guy was better than these people. Right. Well. Right. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's they like had he, Dr. Nick from The Simpsons. And, <laughs> hey, and, everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, because he tells her, oh, I noticed how you look at him when you think nobody's watching. 
So he notices that. But mm-hmm. also the nympho also has noticed it. Jack maybe noticed it, but when it came down to it, they didn't think that she was gonna ride him or let Bashir go. I get that. I, I get everybody's superpower in the group, but the nymphos. Yeah, because it seems like if she had a, it would be understanding of human desires and drives. But she misses that element, right? She's too narcissistic to catch anybody else's. Really, so she doesn't. So her her so she got augmentation, and now she's. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty weird that she's immobile, horny. <laughs> But still unobservant. Like I don't like what what good is she as a character? She's she's observe. She's she's got all the powers that the rest of them do. Just she doesn't get to do anything with them, other than notice. And she's obsessed with fucking. I'm like, yeah, I would have yeah. liked to seen her yeah. do a backflip. Yes. <laughs> she's maybe she's very flexible in other ways. That would have been like it was weird to give her this immobility because she could have been the. Well, she doesn't really even have a disability. It's just Potsy wanted her to. Look no, I know. Sexy. I know. Potsy wanted her to not move, and for some you reason, you guys called her Ponzi. A mix between. Okay, you called her. You yeah, said Ponzi. I'm pretty sure I heard Ponzi. A mix between Fonzie and Potsy. <laughs> And Bernie Madoff. Okay, I don't know. No, her. she's she's a dumb, wasted character. She's she's, she is. she's yes. a horrible she's a horrible representation of like a woman, uh, where they just assume she's delusional about who's into her. That's her. Right. That's her mm-hmm. shtick. Right. Oh, she, her that. her damage is that she's just so horny all the time. Like, right. Oh, really. Okay. Yeesh. Yeah, it's not the. Best. I know we talked about this before about their lame ass music choices. But when he goes, let's party, and they listen to the Blue Danube, <laughs> right. even in the year, the, the Blue Danube, like, like 1867, which I'm sitting here looking at, they wouldn't have partied to the Blue Danube. Like, it's such a weird... Did they... I can't like, remember. It's been a while since I watched Cuckoo's Nest. Does, does that song come up in Cuckoo's Nest at all, or for, for some reason? I don't know. Is there that a reason they chose it? Or it comes up in two thousand and one, but I don't. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't remember it. In yeah, I don't. I, they don't talk about Cuckoo's Nest on Memory Alpha, so I don't know if it was a direct influence on them. Yeah, I mean, like, there's no, you know, Serena's not pulling up a water fountain and throwing it out the window at the end or anything. That would have been. Awesome. <laughs> that would have been. So, and then they just get sucked out in the space and die. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Or one of them gets electroshocked by a. Uh, Howard Hesman's girlfriend from the end of the class. Right, right. Kai Wynn just comes in just out of nowhere and just does it. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I guess that there is that. Al- I haven't even been making that analogy, but the, yeah, you have a, right. a Cuckoo's Nest actress on the yeah. show. Like, Wait, what's, what's uh, she doing here? Oh, shit. Zap. <laughs> I guess you're supposed to have this gratification when they get the Dominion to come there and then uh, Julian unravels the whole plot and then the you have the now bickering, doddering, like, old biddies of Damar and Rayoon. <laughs> That's the, their dynamic that they set up in this episode. It's sort of, really, then, the episode is the, it added zenith whenever Cisco tells Bashir to fuck off, and then everything after that sort of, like, yeah, the music. Yeah, the music that like, plays the episode off. <laughs> right. Yes, you were like, oh yeah, thank God this episode's on my side <laughs> right. of this argument. Right. Once you realize that, like it all, it all kind of deflates and falls into place. And um, yeah. So, but you the scene where Odo confronts Wayude yeah. and we, you know, Wayude starts saying. That you honor me with your presence, and Odo kind of hand waves right, it away. Like, Would you like me to show you to your room? It's like, yes. Here's my hand gesture. And then, and then again, the 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 brutally practical political person that I am, I'm like, 
why don't they just capture these motherfuckers <laughs> or kill them or something? Well, because like, the Federation doesn't kill. I understand. He I and understand, Cisco but, doesn't even press charges, which that's a little gracious. But who's under Damar? Because he's got to be shittier than Damar, right? Oh, so like you could destabilize Cardassia in that one failed swoop because they got there. Like they they were invited by a psychopath, so they're not there legitimately. So they broke in. So you have the right to arrest them for breaking in, right? But they're Even not they're doing it. Diplomats. They've got like diplomatic immunity. I, like, I, <laughs> but, I get yeah. that's not really a thing that war parties have. <laughs> sure. But I I get you. But um, they're fighting a gentleman's war, right? Well, even that's going to kill nine billion people, nine hundred billion people. Even O'Brien or somebody says maybe we've gotten too complacent with the Dominion. They're in Cardassian space, and I wanted to yell. You I have. thought that was like a weird. <laughs> it seems to me we become far too complacent about the Dominion. I think that's like a weird statement to make because it's like it's like O'Brien criticizing the writers' room. That's why well, I took I mean, that. But he's not wrong. We've got. <laughs> we thought that we won. We've gotten complacent. I mean, like that whole episode yesterday didn't even last week didn't even mention the <laughs> right. Remember, and and this episode, you know, overall in the arc of the season, does a good job to re up the stakes and remind us that there are stakes. <laughs> you know, like oh sure. yes, that d- and sure. and you know. And it, it does a little bit of foreshadowing because we do know that shit gets a little bit more uh, serious in the war mm. effort, you know. And it is sort of intimately tied into that, that they're looking for a way to manufacture Catcher mm-hmm. Cell White, and the manufacturing of Catcher Cell White is a big deal. And it also buys them a little bit of time because they let them have the Catcher Cell White system, right? So it takes that pressure off of the storyline. It's a little unclear, actually, because... Bashir says to stall. And yeah, and then, and then and Cisco's like irritated at that. Yeah. <laughs> so you say, yeah. Because I don't know how where it actually turned out. I don't know where the chips landed. Yeah, at yeah. That. When, when the when the when the the wards of the state decide to go off and it and and do their own thing, that's when the actual whatever action the start the federation the storytelling took a different turn. Um, I guess from a long term standpoint, it does. This is the. I mean this. If you're not, if you haven't watched the show already, this name's not going to mean anything to you. But it does get the attention of Luther Sloan, this this plot, oh, right, and starts right. the Luther Sloan shit. Which, yeah, and yeah, and um, you do see these people uh, again. Right. Yeah, see, I think this. I, I mean, there are some directing messes that I, I think you guys like this one better than I do. I mean, I'm fine with it, but it's going to be. I don't know where you you guys are going to put it on your rewatch. Right. Well, because I feel like it does by by just lay, leaning into the augment stuff. I do feel like Julian is better in this episode. He didn't get on my. Yeah. I thought his performance was fine. His scenes with O'Brien were the most fun. Sometimes their banter is fun. Sometimes it's like goofy <sighs> Three Stooges stuff. Sometimes it's labored. Right. But it wasn't in this one. Like when they're playing darts and he's like. Get back behind the line, and then he gets a bullseye. O'Brien gets a bullseye, and Julian comes up, and he's like, "Come on, can I just?" And he's like, "Nope, get back behind the line." And and that plays into the his relationship with the institute kids, where he's like, "Why he enjoys spending time with them." It, it all played well for me. That I, you know, it had. There are faults in this episode that you you know bring up, but overall, all right. Well, where would you put it on your rewatch meter then? Put it at a. Seven. I was uh, for the first twenty minutes. I was at a. I was at a hard zero. Yeah. 
And then it, and then it, when I found out that the episode was on my side, it, it bought them four <laughs> points. <laughs> so I got, I'm at a four. Yeah, four for you. I'm probably at a two. I think that I was irritated most of the time. Uh, I do like the Dominion stuff. I felt like it was uneven. I didn't like the directing. Yeah, it's, like if it's, if I'm trying you're to gonna take be, a you, shot at it, you're run. the hardest sell for any Julian. Uh, augment stories out of all the augment stories actually taking this this run that we're going through the augment stories uh are at least an attempt at something so i actually they i don't mind this new direction it's thus far when we get to the stuff later on i don't know i'm not gonna say nothing about that yet because (laughs) okay I i don't know but all right, so yeah, we're at a two, a seven, and a four for this week. Uh, you guys want to guess what the good people of IMDb think of this? 7.8. I want to go pretty far low. I'm going to go 6.5. I wonder if there's a correlation between what the fans think. Like, I wonder if there's a mathematical way you can you can uh, figure out my rewatch meter and then, and then handicap it against what the IMDb fans think. Um, it's a 7.7. All right, see, that's right Fuck. on. Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it, and I didn't. Ugh. Yeah, it's. I think it's a for the character work. It's a good episode for the main characters. I People mean, like the, Bashir. I think that w- is Bashir our blind spot. Is that where the fan base is oh, way different than where we are? People love Bashir. Yeah, and it's not a blind spot. I've been opening it at the beginning. The beginning. <laughs> the beginning of this ep- of this podcast everything people people love Bashir and I've always that's why I've I've been taking this hard look at it because it's he's one of the fan favorites and I just don't think it's they don't I don't think the reason's there uh so next week uh we have a real wild one um it will probably fill you with a lust for life <laughs> um it doesn't have a china girl in oh, it though well. but it is uh, uh it's got moogie uh, <laughs> it is it searches and destroys and i want to be its dog i think that's oh, all yeah. it should be it, the, the episode should be called i want to be your nog all right okay. i don't got anything better than that <laughs> All right, let's outro us then. All right, so (laughs) let us know what you think if you disagree about what we think about this episode or whatever you want to talk to us about. Give us a call at 917-408-3898. And if you want to hear more from us, check out all the other content we have by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash kickers of elves thanks for listening to another episode of the rules of acquisition for wade james and myself three to beam out mm-hmm.